Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. So I want to talk to you tonight about a genuine witness. A genuine witness. Proverbs 11.30, if you'll put that up real quick. The Bible teaches us something important. I want everybody to grasp this. This is, this is something that every one of us need to improve on and be good at. And maybe you haven't even started being good at it yet, but I'm encouraging you tonight to start being a good witness. Because, here's why, the fruit of the righteous. How many would like at the end of your days to have a, 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 a powerful, uh, not only testimony, but a powerful eternity have, have rewards, have God be proud of you, and, and then on the, in this life here, have fulfillment and joy and happiness. The fruit of the righteous, we talked about practicing righteousness last Wednesday, is a tree of life. That means, that basically that what that means, the fruit of the righteous is you continue to do right over and over again. You continue, you continue, you continue to do the right thing over and over. And it's like the trunk of a tree just keeps getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And you'll have a tree of life. Your life will be full of the blessings of God, the provision of God, the peace of God, the joy of God, and all the things that you desire. But watch this next part. It's tied together. The way you become a righteous tree of life is he who wins souls is. Amen. That's, that's the, that's the, I want you to think about this with me tonight. If he who wins souls is wise, what is somebody that does not win souls? Put whatever, ner- yeah, put it, stupid, dumb, not wise. Whatever words you said will work. But how many know you're, you're one or the other? You're either wise or you're not wise. So if you're not winning souls, if you're not sharing your faith, if you're not witnessing at least, because we can't, we can't change anybody. He's the one that changes people. But if we're not at least, at least witnessing, then we're not wise. And so we're supposed to plant seeds. We're supposed to share our faith. But I, I want to I prick you a little bit tonight on this Wednesday night as the Wednesday night crowd, and, and I want to ask you to ask yourself, as I do many times when I preach, I want you to think and answer this question for yourself, not for me, not to me, but for yourself. Are you a genuine witness? Okay, are you a genuine witness? Isaiah 40, verse 30 says this, or 31, what's, uh, 30, sorry, 10, had it backwards. I think I'm dyslexic on numbers sometimes. You are my What? You are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I've chosen. Tell the person next to you, you're chosen. Now, tell them this, whether you believe it or not. How many sometimes we don't believe we're chosen? Like Dwayne said, we don't feel worthy, or we don't feel like we're in that unjust place. We're at rock bottom. You are chosen tonight by God. That ought to excite us and scare us all at the same time that the king of the universe would choose to reach the world through through us so he says you are chosen and he says that you may know and believe me this is important that you who's the who should believe the chosen one would believe know and believe me and understand that i am he before me there was no god formed 
nor shall there be after. Leave that up for just a minute. Holy Spirit, we ask you to speak tonight. Lord, we feel your presence in this place. We know you're moving in our church. You're moving in our lives. Lord, I sense an excitement. I sense revival. I sense the move of God that you're doing in our lives tonight. And I know that you're doing something great. And I pray that you would cause us to become genuine witnesses tonight. And I pray that you would remove everything out of the way that would stop us from being that. Holy Spirit, speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, you are my witnesses. You're my servant whom I have chosen And it's interesting, he says, I choose you to go be my witness, but then he says, I need you to know and believe me. What what about the disciples? When you look at the disciples' lives, didn't we see some disbelief? Didn't we see some doubt and some unbelief and some questions and, and, and there was a desire and a zeal? Peter says, I'll follow you till the day I die. And then Jesus says, you're not even going to make it to that. You're going to deny me before the rooster even crows. So he hits the reality, but there was a zeal there. How many know zeal's good? Excitement is good. Passion is good. Being encouraged and challenged on a Wednesday night is good. But the question you have to ask yourself is, do you genuinely believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Genuinely. Do you genuinely believe that Before him there was no God. Do you genuinely believe that you're chosen tonight to preach his word and that you're a witness? Because God needs people, especially in this last hour, to get out of ourselves, to get over ourselves, to get past ourselves, and start thinking about people who do not know Jesus. That are all over the place, like we talked about that, and I don't know if anybody's gone and seen that video since Sunday, like that satanic man. I promise you, somebody, they, he didn't mention that, somebody was witnessing to that man. Somebody was planting some seeds to that man, and if you look at his picture, he doesn't look like someone you might want to just talk to on the street. You might turn the other way from that kind of a person for fear. Somebody planted some seeds and got the thinking in his mind about Jesus. And then, then he was able to see. I remember, and I want, I, want this, I want you to think about this tonight. I believe, without even asking you to raise your hand, that every one of us in here have a desire to be a genuine witness. Let me, let me give you the definition of genuine real quick, in case you don't, you don't know exactly what it, the word genuine means. Sincerely and honestly felt. So it means that when you say something, or, or it says, or experienced, and actually and true, and another thing is free from hypocrisy. Here's what I want you to think about tonight. When you, when you witness, and I'm just going to give you the benefit of the doubt that you're witnessing, that you're passing out Jesus cards, that you're talking to your neighbors, that you're sharing your testimony, when you, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt you're doing all that, that we're all doing that. When you do it, Is there a genuineness in you? When you witness, do people feel, sense, see, know that what you're saying, you believe? How many know that you can try to sell something, but if you don't believe in what you're trying to sell, they'll see through that. Say, that's just a job for you. That's just a job. You You don't believe that. How many Christians today, if... They finally get the call and they understand, I'm supposed to witness, go and do it, 
but don't do it with a genuine heart. That person is looking back at you like, you're doing that to try to do good works. But they're not, and they may, they may say it, they may not, but they might think it. I wonder if you believe that. How many don't want people to wonder that? I don't want people to wonder. This has been something that for me has been a challenge. My whole time I've been saved, I've always wanted to be genuine. I want to be real. How many want to be honest and real and genuine with God first before you're with anybody else? Because if we're not genuine with God and we're not sincere and we're not hypocritical with God, then we can be that way with other people. I began to think about this this week and I had an opportunity to share my faith with my, my mom and dad's caregiver at their house. They've moved into their house for the glory of God, the honor of God, amen. It's a miracle that they're in their own house and own the house, amen. God has fulfilled a dream in my mom's heart for many years when she, as I said, Sunday should be dead. Last year she bled out, as I said Sunday morning, seven quarts of her blood in her body and was supposed to die. So I was there with my sister yesterday, and we were just hanging some stuff up on the walls, and this lady, her name is, and she may be watching tonight. I, I just, I think I'm dyslexic on names, too. I don't even know if that's possible. I don't even know if dyslexic has anything to do with names. Homera, thank you, Lord. She's from Iran. And how many know when you meet somebody, that, that, that we, there's people that, you know, you're tatted up, you're pierced, you're, you can just tell you got a, had a rough life, but some people you meet, they just, they just look like genuinely good people. I met this lady, and I thought, man, what a sweet lady. Anybody ever met anybody like that? They may not know the Lord, but they're just sweet people. The way she treats my mom, the way she talks to my mom, she's so sweet. And unfortunately, she's only going to be with us for a few weeks. And she's going back to Sweden because she's from Sweden. She's from Iran, but she lives in Sweden. So we're there talking, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit began to orchestrate. And we started to talk about uh, my mom because she cares about my mom. And I said, I said, Hamira, you have no idea what mom, my God has done in my mom. And I said, shared last year's miracle and then shared the miracle 20 years ago when she should have died when she had the stroke. And then I forgot about the fall two and a half years ago when she should have died, when she hit her head. And then my sister reminded me of a fourth time, which I can't remember at this moment what it was, another time that she should have died. And I said, that all is because of God to her. And so she said, I said, my mom is a miracle. And she said, Miracle Pam. That's what she called her. She said, Miracle Pam. I said, that's right. And so we walked around a little bit more, and she was sitting on the couch folding some clothes. She's doing some, just a little bit of everything at the house for him. And I went back over. I felt like the Holy Spirit was nudging me to go back over and talk to her. And I sat down, and I said, no, I was standing by my mom, and I was rubbing her back, and I was just talk, bragging on my mom and telling her how, how much faith she had and how much faith she taught me. And so my mom says, let me tell you about what God did in my son's life. She, and she said to Hamira, she said, do you know what prophecy is? And of course she didn't. And that's one thing we have to learn, church. We need to learn to talk to the unchurched like the unchurched. You can use words all day long, but if it goes over their head, what good is it? So she says, do you know what prophecy is? She says, no. I, so I said, you know what palm reading is? She said, yeah. I said, well, it's like palm reading, but it's from God. Straight from God. He speaks through men, 
And so she was like, oh, okay. So he, she says, he, God gave a word when I was pregnant that my son was going to do these great and mighty things for God. And she started talking about that. And then so once she got done, I, I said, 30 years ago, I was sitting in a church, and I said, I, I wasn't walking with God, and I didn't believe in God. I didn't know God. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't right with God. And I gave her my testimony, which many of you know. And I said, I was sitting there in a church service, and the guy started talking about hell. And she kind of got on the edge of her seat. And, and, and it, she was kind of almost stoic the whole time I was talking about the miracles of my mom, which you would have thought that would have moved her. But I said, I was sitting there on the edge of my seat or in the church service, and he began to talk about hell, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I said, I didn't hear an audible voice, but I heard God speak to me, and he said, that's where you're going if you don't change your life tonight. And I told her, I went to the front of the church, and I said, I started to pray to God. And I said, I had an encounter with God, and Jesus came in and changed my life. And I said, I was there for three hours. And as soon as I said that, she started crying. Right in my mom and dad's living room, she just started crying. And she was wiping the tears away from her eyes. And God touched her. And I said, that's the power of God you're feeling right now. You could just feel the power of God in the room. And she started crying and wiping her eyes. And so she left and went away from the room. And, and I didn't get a chance to talk to her anymore. For the last 24 hours, the Holy Spirit's been telling me, go back to the house again. So I went back to the house today. And I talked to her in the house, and I, and I, and I want to give you, I want you to listen to what I say, because this is a, a way to witness. I said, what, what, do you ever think about eternity? I said, what do you think is going to happen? And I, I want you to write this down, Revelation chapter 20. Church, because I want you to know tonight what the very most important thing is that we do. Number one is we get people to think about their eternity. There's nothing more important, and I will hold the microphone out, and someone can come grab it from me and tell me, go ahead, you're free to do it. Tell me one thing that's more important in this place tonight, in the world tonight, in the gospel tonight, than us to think about where we're going to spend eternity when we die. So I'll, I'll give you the verse in a second. I said, when, when you die, what do you think is going to happen? You know, that's the best question you can ask somebody. Don't witness to people and say, hey, do you know the 16 tenets of faith? Hey, have you taken communion? Hey, have you been baptized? Hey, do you go to church? Don't ask them those questions. Those aren't things that are going to get them out of eternity in hell. Ask them, have you thought about what's going to happen to you when you die? Because that gets people's attention. Because no matter where you're at and what religion you're a part of and what part of the world you live in, everyone's going to die. But we don't think about it until someone brings it to our attention. We don't think about it. How is it possible that we don't? But we don't. Do you realize we don't think about it very much? Unless someone brings it to our attention or, unfortunately, until someone dies? We think about it a lot at a funeral. We think about it a lot when somebody dies, but until someone dies, we don't think about eternity, forever. So I said, what do you think is going to happen? And she said, I think that if I'm a good person, how many have heard that before? I think if I'm a good person, that when I die, I will hope, hopefully go to heaven, she said. And then she said, 
or, and I think this had to do with my story possibly, or if I'm not a good person, I might go to hell. And I said, you are on the road right now to salvation because now you are admitting that there is an, an eternal life. And I said, that's big. Some people just think the lights are going to go off. And like we say, they're going to wake up to a big surprise. She said, I, I, and I said, okay, now Romans says that, and I said, I believe you're a good person because you can tell she's a good person. But I said, Romans says in the Bible that we're not good enough and that we're all sinners and that we all fall short of God's glory and that we cannot get into heaven by how good we are. I said, I believe if, you, if we could get into heaven by good works, you're, you would be in. She's listening. I said, now let me take you to John chapter 11. I had my phone. And I said, let me read you the story of Lazarus. I said, Jesus' Jesus's sister and Martha and his good friend Lazarus died. And, and she, she, he dies and he's been dead for four days. And he gets there and Martha says, why didn't you come and save, my, save Lazarus? Why? We know the story. If you've read your Bible, he says, because God needed to be glorified in me through this. And he says, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Nobody goes to the Father except through me. And he says, Martha, watch this. Do you believe that? And church, I want to ask you tonight the question. I'm not asking you, do you come to church? I'm not asking you, do you hold the Bible in your hand? I'm not asking you, have you uh, been baptized in water? I'm asking you, do you really, genuinely believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? And without him, through him, no one goes to heaven. He says, Martha, do you believe that? She says, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Messiah. I believe you are the son of the living God. And with those words, she was saved. And I said to, to Homer, I said, Jesus said in his own words, he's the resurrection and the life. And I said, there's only one person. I don't know if she was raised in an Islamic home. It's very possible, being from Iran. I said, the Koran, with all due respect, was written 700 years after the Bible. And I said, the prophet Muhammad did not say that he had been to the other side and come back. I said, no Buddhist has ever said that they've been to the other side and come back. I said, no Hindu has ever said they've been to the other side and come back. I said, there's one person, and I'm talking to her just, just like this. I said, there's one person who has died and come back to life. And watch what happens. She says, Jesus. She says, Jesus. That's not revealed by flesh and blood. Remember when Jesus said that to Peter? I'm, I'm speaking, hopefully, out of genuine witness to her, a genuine heart, and she is on track. And so after I told her that, I said, you can be 1,000% sure when you die that you'll go to heaven if you will believe on Jesus. And I said, Romans 6 says, that the penalty of your sin is death. I said, but the gift of God is eternal life. That's Romans 6.23. And I said, Romans 10 says, 
if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, you will be saved. Do you believe that tonight? Do you really believe that tonight? Each one of us individually have to answer that question. Because listen, if you don't genuinely believe it, you're never going to get anybody else to believe it. Because you can't sell something you don't believe in. Amen. And so we need to get people in a genuine witness with a genuine heart for the lost to understand eternity and what Revelation chapter 20 says. Watch this, verse 11. I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. And this is a sad statement. And there was no place for them. You know what that means? There were so many that there was no room. So many people from the great white throne judgment. If you're new in here tonight, church, there's two judgments in the Bible. This is the, called the great white throne judgment. This is where people who have not believed on Jesus will stand. Now, I cannot stress this enough. I did not say this is the place that people who have been part of a denomination or have claimed to be a Christian or have said that they believed in Jesus, this is people who have believed, not believed on Jesus. Do you understand tonight that there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be in hell that went to church? Do you realize that? If you somehow think that being in this church building saves you, you're wrong. It's good that you're at church. If you somehow believe that even holding a notebook in front of you and taking notes saves you, you're wrong. If you somehow believe that even being faithful in your tithes and even praying every day saves you, you're wrong. What saves you is 100% genuine belief that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God and that He died on the cross for your sins and that He rose from the dead and that's what saves you. And that alone, that alone saves you. Not Victory World Outreach, not your mom and dad. Jesus. Before me, there was no God. He, I, I am the great I am, he says. So there's two judgments, church, and we are trying to be part of the judgment seat of Christ which is in 2 Corinthians. I'm not going to get into that tonight, but I want to focus you on where we're trying to get people out of and where you were headed and where I was headed and where humanity is headed tonight while we're sometimes busy doing other things and letting life get, us, get our attention and let us get distracted by different, sometimes dumb things. There are people, hundreds of thousands, where's Dwayne, what's the number? Is there, is there a new number? What's the latest number? 150,000 people a day are going into eternity. A day. That's the size of Denton, Texas. The population of the city our church is in is going to hell every single day. Well, some of them are going to heaven, thank God. But unfortunately, many of them are going to hell. 
It's our job, church, to be a witness. It's our job to care. It's our job to stop what we're doing sometimes and and take time to go talk to somebody and share our faith with them, especially when you see fruit that's just hanging there. Ready. You can tell when someone is ready. I had no, if I was a betting man, I could have bet a billion dollars today that Hamira was going to give her life to Jesus. A billion. Because I knew the Holy Spirit was working on her. I would have been shocked if I would have said at the end of witnessing to her, do you want to say that prayer with me right now and believe on Jesus? If she would have said no. I would have been shocked. Why? Because she had been witnessed to. And the Holy Spirit was working on her, which is the Holy Spirit's job. And I just took her to Jesus. Which is what all of us need to do. And church, if you think our church is growing and you think God's doing great things in our church and you think we've heard testimonies, what do you think it's going to look like when every single one of us really start to think about souls on a daily basis and care about being a genuine witness and care about taking people from this place and putting them into heaven? Are you with me? There was and found no place for them. You've heard Pastor Mario mention this before. We're, we're trying to populate heaven and plunder hell. James talks about that we can actually pull people from the flames of fire. Pull them out. Grab their hand and pull them out. And I saw the dead, small and great. That's not size, by the way. That would be what the world would consider important or not important. Standing before God... And books were opened. I don't know how to witness. I don't know what to tell people. Why don't you ask people what they think is going to happen when they die? I challenge some of you to do that this week. Watch what happens. Someone might say, you know what, I don't want to talk about that. But I, 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 would, I would, if I was a betting man, I would tell you that they're going to think and they're going to have an opinion. Once they, well, and they're going to say what they say. This, this is important. And whether they believe it or not, you can tell them what God's word says. I told that lady today, everything I said is in the Bible. I'm not telling you my own opinion. But let me say something real quick that I forgot because I'm not really using my notes tonight. But I want to say this so I don't forget it. This is important. It goes back to, have you, do you know the 16 fundamentals of faith? Have you been baptized? Have you been to communion? Have you been to next step? All the questions we might ask religiously. You don't have time to ask those questions to people. You know what you need to ask them? Do you know where you're going to go to when you're gonna, where you're going to go when you die? We need in this what do we need to do? Here's the thing. If you're genuinely saved, you genuinely believe in what Jesus did and Jesus has genuinely changed you. Meaning you are not the same person you used to be. Matter of fact, we've heard people say this in our church. I wouldn't want to hang out with the person that I used to be. I would hate the person I used to be. I can say that. I would have beat up the person I used to be. But it would have been a good fight. Are you following me? Because I don't like arrogant people. I don't like cocky people. And I was arrogant. And I was cocky. So I wouldn't have liked my old person. But listen, 
You don't need to give them the fundamental faiths. You don't need to give them all these verses. Spit some verses if you want. The best thing you can tell somebody is what Jesus did for you. That's the genuine witness. Jesus changed my life. I had not quoted a scripture to Homera when she began to cry. I gave her my testimony of what Jesus did for me. And I did it from a genuine heart. Because what he did for me, he did for me. And I believe it. So it wasn't scriptures that got her on the Roman road. Which scriptures are great. But you're not going to have time to get a lot of scriptures out a lot of times. But what you can get out is Jesus changed my life. And he can change your life. And if he doesn't change your life, where do you think you're going to spend eternity? And then you might get the opportunity, if you're going to bring up any verses, besides the ones I've already given you about Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, take them to Revelation 20, verse 11 to 15. And let them marinate and let them regurgitate and let them chew on these verses. Y'all still here? And, uh, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the what? Shout it out. The book of life is where your name goes when Jesus Christ comes into your life and you believe on Jesus. Which, by the way, can be taken out. For those that have been raised erroneously in a doctrine that taught you that once you say that prayer, you are on your way to heaven with victory. Revelation says your name can be blotted out. So we have to finish the race he who endures till the end shall be saved. So another book was opened, the book of life. And the dead, this is, this is in a judgment we're going to be at and you're not going to be at in the name of Jesus, but it depends on your genuine belief. And it says the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Church, this is why salvation is personal. Because I'm not going to stand before God and be judged for what you did. And you're not going to stand before God and be judged for what I did. You're going to be judged for what you did. Watch what it says. Next verse. Did I not read this? Oh, good job. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. The de and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were what? According to their... So real quick, if you want to be saved by your works, woo, you better be good. Boy, you better be, the, you better be Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa didn't get to heaven if she didn't have faith in Jesus Christ. Billy Graham didn't get to heaven if he didn't have faith in Jesus Christ. Works. So, so, so this woman was saying, and most people in the world say, well, I think if I'm a good person and I do good things, then I'm going to go to heaven. Okay, well, let's just take that thought and let's just have God open up all the books and then start reading. And, and when I was talking to this lady today, Homera, my mom had all kinds of papers that she had written on the table, so it was perfect. The Holy Spirit laid that out. I said, look at all that. And she's been going through all my mom's stuff, whole room full of stuff, papers and I said, look at all these writings. I said, that's all the stuff you've done. I said, what are you going to say to a holy God when he gets done? And I don't know how long. Some people say, what are we going to do for eternity? Listen to our, what we've done. 
the movie's going to play. And then at the end of it, when God has said, and here's the thing, in, in these books, in this, in this thing here, the good works aren't going to be written. They're not going to go over the good things you did. Have you ever seen anybody go to court, stand before a judge, and the judge says, well, what about all the good stuff this person's done? Hello? What's that person getting judged? What's that person going to court for? The act they did. The judge doesn't say at the end, well, let me see a little bit more of this person's life. And they may take it into consideration on the sentence. No good works there. It's all the bad stuff. Anybody in here done anything bad? Do you want that stuff to come out? If you don't ever want anybody to know your business, you better be on the judgment seat of Christ. Because all your bad business is going to come out. All kinds of verses for that. This is, sorry, did we finish the 13? Go back for just a second. And they were judged, each according to his works. Next. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. 15. Oh, that was 15. Anyone's na name not found in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Put my next verse up if you don't mind. Here's what we need to do to have a genuine testimony, genuine witness. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. I would love to just, just randomly ask people tonight, what, 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 what has the Lord done for you? Why, what, what is your reason that you believe in Jesus? And just listen to some of the answers. Hopefully we wouldn't find anybody stumbling over their words, trying to figure out something that sounds good to make everybody believe that they believe in Jesus. Hopefully when someone, now we may not be good at speaking in front of people, but hopefully when you talk about Jesus, it's genuine. Because he's genuinely done something for you. Are y'all following me tonight? It's, it's like, do you really believe what you're, what you're speaking? Would you die for it? Would you... Would you give everything for it, for your testimony? Would you, lot, lots of people aren't in that place. We can get there. But we have to take this thing serious because people are falling into hell. How many, someone can do the math later. We know it's a lot. Thousands of people have fallen into hell since the service started. And they're not coming back. Forever. There's no second chance I always used to use the example of 9-11. There's no doors, sorry, windows in hell. That, 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 has, I, that's, that picture has never left my mind in 20 years, if you've never seen it. Teenagers, you probably haven't seen it. Please go see it. Because some of you aren't even 20. You've heard it, and we're, us young people, myself included, us young people, we don't like to listen to old people talk. 
Oh, that old story. Go look at the videos of 9-11 and watch. I don't remember what story it was, 60, 70, 80, 100, doesn't matter. Whatever it was, it was way up there. And watch people jumping out of the windows because it was so hot inside the building. Can you imagine it being so hot in the building that you jump out a window? You know you're going to die when you jump out the window. And people were jumping out of windows. Church, when I got saved that night and God told me that place he's describing right now is where you're going, I had a revelation in my spirit, not only where I was going, but that I deserved to go there. I had no ever had a feeling that I, that, I, that was wrong. I knew genuinely that was the place I was supposed to go. And it gave me an appreciation for the blood of Jesus, for the sacrifice that Jesus paid on the cross. And so I don't forget, I told Homera, Jesus took your place. And you can be saved if you believe on him. Do you want to pray? Yes. Repeat after me. And she repeated that prayer after me with tears in her eyes. And she gave her life to Jesus today. And she was rescued from hell. Amen. And now she's going to go back to Sweden in three weeks as an evangelist. And now she's stuck with my mom for the next three weeks, telling her every single day what she just did. She already told her, tomorrow morning, we're going to pray together. And tomorrow morning, I'm going to do a Bible study with you. So she's going to have three weeks with my mom before she goes to Sweden. I said, God's going to use you when you go back to Sweden. Amen? Put that last verse up one more time for one second to finish that last part. Be ready to give a defense for anyone who asks the reason that you have hope with meekness and fear. Meekness and fear. Uh, go to the very last verse, please. I'm not, I didn't get to all my verses. How are these people going to be rescued? By a genuine witness. How can they call on the name? How can they call on him whom they have not believed in? How can they believe in him they have not heard of? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Now listen, I'm not talking to you tonight as when I says that word preacher of me standing up here with a, with a microphone in a, in a pulpit. It's you at your job. It's you in your neighborhood. It's you and your family. You don't have to convince your family. Just let them see, as Matthew 5, 16 says, let them see your good works. You, I remember a saying that I learned when I first got saved, and it's so true. Go through all the world and preach the gospel, and whenever necessary, use words. It doesn't mean we're not supposed to speak. It doesn't mean we're not supposed to say that's wrong. I've been teaching you that. But you need to live your life in such a genuine way that people see Jesus in you. And they want what you have. And they, they, it's so genuine that they say yes. But we have to realize they're never going to see it or hear it without us because we are the only Bible Lots of people are ever going to read. And church, that's more now than ever before. 
because we're in a churchless generation. Do you realize that? We're in a generation that doesn't go to church, doesn't know about God. And here's the coolest thing right before we pray. When I was talking to her in the middle somewhere, I said, do you, do you know who Jesus is? And I don't know if you all remember Sunday what I said. She says, I've been dreaming about Jesus. That's what she said. I said, did you hear me talk about that? And I started thinking, you know when you say something and you don't remember who it was? Or I remember saying that Sunday here that Muslims and different people were having dreams and visions of Jesus. She says, so it was nobody. Nobody was telling her about Jesus. She was having dreams. And she says, I've been dreaming about Jesus. So, but someone had to come and tell her who Jesus was. The dream is great, but someone had to be the, the go. And I'm not saying that for me. Y'all know my heart. I'm not saying that to lift me up. I'm saying it because that is what God is calling all of us to do, to be the messenger, to be the, to the person who takes it and says, that Jesus that you've been hearing about, this is who he is. And if you put your faith in him, you can have eternal life. Amen. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes all across this place. I believe there's a heart in this place tonight to be a genuine witness for Jesus. I believe some of you here that have been witnessing and are witnesses have got a fresh fire tonight of this message, a fresh desire, a fresh burden. That's my prayer, that a fresh burden would be inside of you to go and preach the gospel to go and witness, to go and share your faith, to go and love people and be genuine with people and just tell them what Jesus has done for you. This is who I was and this is who I am. I am a life transformed. Maybe you're here and you've never witnessed in your life. I'm just going to throw a little wrench in you for a second, so don't turn me off. I had this in my notes, but I didn't get to it. Please listen closely. You must take this serious. I know your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, so I'm not going to ask you to, to look at me and say you heard that, but please, please hear that. John 15 says, if you don't bear fruit, you'll be cut off. So you can't be, you can't be here tonight and go, oh, that was for so-and-so. Well, that's for the evangelists in the church. He who doesn't bear fruit will be cut off. And he who bears fruit will be pruned. For what? To bear more. Church, it's not an option to witness. Jesus did not say in the Gospels, if you feel like it, if it seems good to you, if you wake up today and are having a good day, would you go tell people about me? He said it is a commandment. He said, go and preach the gospel. In church, some people are going to go to hell unless you reach them. You. You. Teenagers, there's some teenagers you know are going to go to hell if you don't tell, Jesus, tell them about Jesus. That blood's going to be on your hands. Get that blood off your hands. It's not your job to change them. It's your job to tell them. We can't change anybody. That's God's job.
but you better tell them. Get the blood off your hands. Did you know Jesus loves you? Did you know you're going to stand before God one day? What are you going to say to God when you stand before him? Your good works aren't going to save you. Your good works are filthy rags. Put your faith in Jesus, that he's the way, the truth, and the life. Just be a witness. But I would venture to say, even on this Wednesday night, some of us in this place, hopefully not a lot, but some may be here. Hopefully there's none. But there may be some people in this place who have not genuinely been born again. If the trumpet sounded, I got on some people in our church that are not here tonight. You don't know who they are. It doesn't matter. That's one good thing about having a fairly large church. Because if it's just a few, it's obvious. I got on some people this week that weren't here. They were doing something else. And I said, do you think Jesus would have been pleased if the rapture would have happened Sunday and you weren't at church, you were doing what you were doing? instead of, And they weren't, doing, they weren't sinning. Just think about it. Oh, that's so radical. Jesus is radical. The word of God is radical. Souls are hanging in the balance. There are things that happen that we can't control. There are things that happen that we can't, we can't always be at church. I understand that. But are you genuinely saved tonight? Are you born again? I don't know. Only you know. How many in this place tonight would be honest? And say, if I died right now, and I stood before that God that Revelations 20 mentions, and he begins to whip out all the things I've done, and I don't truly believe in Jesus Christ, that he truly died on the cross for my sins and truly washed my sins as far as the east is from the west, I don't know if I would be able to say anything other than my God. And that's not going to work. The only thing that's going to save you is that you're not even there on that day because you're at the judgment seat of Christ, which means you're saved. And the only thing that's being judged is your works that you did for the Lord. How many in this place could be honest? I don't care if you're a, I don't care if you're a team member, a serve team member. I don't care if, you, if you're on the platform singing. I don't, I don't matter. We want people to be saved genuinely. How many tonight could say, I'm not, I'm not ready. I need to make sure. Just put your hand up. Put it right back down. I know it's Wednesday night. It's all right. We can't go out and win the world if we don't believe this ourselves. We can't do what God wants us to do if we're not genuinely saved tonight. Maybe you're here tonight and you've have you said that prayer. You believe it with all your heart. But you know tonight, and I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand tonight. You know tonight you're doing things, thinking things, going places, seeing things, saying things you shouldn't be doing Get your heart right with God tonight. Quit messing around. God's got a plan for your life, especially if you're watching online tonight and you're not working and you're not have a good excuse. You're just at home or you watch this because you're convicted. Get right. Time is short. Get right with God because there's people outside of these four walls that need to hear a genuine witness tonight. They need to know Jesus loves them. Let's stand all across this place. I've preached from my heart tonight. I believe that there's going to be fruit from this. I believe that there's a genuine desire in this place tonight to win souls. Church, it goes back to the very first verse I read. He who wins souls is wise. He who does not is the opposite. There's no other way to say it. Let's be wise. 
And if you're here tonight and the devil's telling you, you've messed up too many times and what about this that you did and what about, you need to start telling the devil that that's all under the blood. Stop letting the devil lie to you. Remember, he's the father of all lies. Stop that. Let the past be the past. Start looking forward to all the people that Jesus wants you to reach. These altars are open tonight. Let's find a place. Let's spend some time with God. Let's ask the Lord to help us become. If you don't pray anything else tonight, God, help me be a genuine witness. Genuine, Father. Sincere, meaning I've had the experience of who Jesus Christ is tonight. Let's just spend a few moments in the presence of the Lord. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.